Welcome to Foundations of Pentecost, dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Last week, we started a new series on the person and the work of the Holy Ghost. And uh, it is a needful thing for us to understand the workings of the Holy Ghost. And uh, far too often um, in our Pentecostal churches, we have a vague idea of what we believe and we never go beyond that. And uh, there is so much more to the Holy Ghost than just speaking in other tongues. And um, while it's probably for most of us not something new, we're not going not gonna to be earth-shattering, sometimes it's helpful for us to revisit it. We talked about last week the fact that the Bible admonishes us to be ready to give to every man an answer. And sometimes it's good for us to just go back and review those things so that we remember when we are asked about certain things and when we are uh, those situations arise so that we can have a ready answer. And, to, and ultimately... Everything in Scripture, everything that uh, should be everything we study, though we sometimes, you know, if we're not careful, get bogged down trying to figure out what the third toe on the image in Daniel represents or something like that, you know, or the toenail, and, and argue over little things that the Bible doesn't. But ultimately, everything, and, and, and we're going to see before we finish in this series, especially the Holy Ghost, is to point us back to Jesus Christ and the fact that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, I want us this morning to go back and and read the text from last week. And... uh, Uh, where uh, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. But before we get into uh, that, Brother Goldeisen, would you ask God's blessing on the class this morning? Father, we thank you for this opportunity and we are so grateful for it. Help us to take full advantage of it, Lord be able to come into your presence. I ask God and thank you for the Word of God, the truth, the absolute truth that you've given unto us. As we divide it, discuss it, Lord, uh, this morning, I pray that your blessings will be upon it. So be both with uh, for the voice and the rest of us, God, as we partake in this service and We'll give you the praise for we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. The Bible says in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We started out last week by talking about the fact to understand and to, to begin to delve into a study of the Holy Spirit, we need to understand God or have a little bit of understanding. Of course, as we pointed out last week, there is no way that the finite man, that finite man can comprehend the infinite God. Uh, we are not going to understand it, uh, though we may try. But if we could fully understand God, then we would be greater than God. And so, because He is so far above man. But God gives us in His Word some things about Himself that we might understand a little bit about Him. And know a little bit about Him. And not just know about Him. I heard a message recently by the late Adrian Rogers where he was talking about the passage of Scripture where it says he made uh, known his acts to the children of Israel and his ways to Moses. And he pointed out, that the children of Israel knew the things that God did, but Moses understood why God did the things that He did. And so we need to understand not just about God, but we need to understand His ways and, and why He does the things that He does in the heartbeat of God. And ultimately, it is going to bring us back to what I mentioned earlier that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is the heartbeat of God, is to have fellowship with mankind. And so we begin by, by explaining what it is uh, and a little bit about our beliefs as Pentecosts, uh, as Pentecostal, and the fact that Pentecost is orthodox in its belief, in that we believe in the inspiration of the Scripture. As believing in the inspiration of the Scripture, not only do we believe that it is God-breathed, that it came from the, the very mouth of God, but we believe that it is the rule for faith and practice. We believe that everything in our life can be guided by the Word of God. That is why I find it so concerning, and I, 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 I come across this a lot in class, but it's why I find it so concerning that there are so many who do not read the Word of God and do not study the Word of God. And I think we would be shocked to know how few actually read. I've quoted before statistics where they have done surveys and studies about the number of people that read the Word of God. 
And if we are far surpassing the national averages, we are still nowhere close to where we need to be in the number of people that read and study the Word of God. Now, some of us give lip service to it, and we say we believe that the Word of God is to be our rule of practice. It's to be our guide to faith, but when it comes down to it, we don't actually know what it says, and we don't actually utilize it. So, so in studying this, it is not simply to be something that we study about the Holy Ghost simply to, to enhance our mind. But it is something that we want to be able to apply to our daily living and our daily life so that we can have a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Of course, not only the divine inspiration of Scripture, but the creation uh, we believe in the deity of Christ. We believe in the vi- vicarious, or in the virgin birth, his vicarious death, the physical resurrection of Christ, the imminent return of, Christ- of, of Jesus Christ. But more important, or, or not more importantly, but another part of the Pentecostal doctrine that is orthodox is the view that God is a trinity. That God is three and yet one. Three persons, yet one. And so we begin to talk about that. And uh, we begin to look at uh, some of these things. Uh, there are some things that are distinct about Pentecost though. That we noted last week. And that is uh, that we believe, as opposed to many other dom- denominations, though not uh, all, or at least there are elements within those denominations that agree with us. But uh, the Scripture teaches that the baptism of there is a baptism of the Holy Ghost that comes after salvation, and it is distinct from salvation. It is a distinct experience, and so we believe there is a baptism of the Holy Ghost and. And when I say we believe it, we believe it because that's what Scripture teaches. And and as we get into the series, we are uh, going to be looking at the scriptural evidences of this and, and what the Bible teaches on it. Then not only that, but we believe that the, the evidence, the initial evidence of this baptism of the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. This is where a lot of times we have become uneducated uh, and, and failed to take the entirety of Scripture because there are many people among the Pentecostal movement that believe the baptism of the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is not speaking in other tongues. Speaking in other tongues is the first sign that we have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is not the only sign. Matter of fact, it may be questionable whether or not you have received the Holy Ghost if it is the only sign that ever evidences itself in your life. Because the baptism of the Holy Ghost will affect more than just our speech. Not only will it affect more than our speech, but the gifts of God can be counterfeited. 
There have been times that there are people that get caught up in ecstasy and get caught up within themselves and they begin to jabber and to, to uh, uh, say things that are unintelligible and they believe it's the Holy Ghost. And some with a genuine uh, uh, motivation, but they're caught up in themselves. And it is a self-promotion. And then there are others who have under the influence of demonic spirits spoken in other tongues. So it is not the only evidence. Yesterday, I was talking to my aunt, and she was telling me about a time when she was a teenager, they got up and started singing the song, um, I'm going to rest, I'm going to rest, I'm going to rest, rest, rest on Jesus' breast. And the teenagers all got to shouting and they just, you know, pretty much uh, just took over the service and, and shouted through the entire service. And Grandpa Cook, my great-grandfather, uh, and would have been the pastor of the church at that time. He said when the service was over, he said that wasn't the Holy Ghost, that was nothing but pure emotionalism. Those kids that were jumping and shouting don't even know what they've got to rest from yet. And uh, she said, oh, it made her mad. And said, until later, and she realized he knew what he was talking about. And so sometimes, if we're not careful, we can get caught up, though it may be with a good heart, with good intentions in mind, sometimes we can get caught up in the moment. And uh, so it is not the only evidence. And then we believe in the continued operation of the gifts of the Spirit in the church today. God is using the gifts of the Spirit in the church today. Then we begin to talk about who God is. And uh, I'm going to spend so much time reviewing last week. If I'm not careful, we'll never get to this week. But uh, we talked about the uh, doctrine of God, what we believe about God, that there is only one God. And uh, sometimes we forget that. And if we're not careful, sometimes when we believe in the Trinity, if we're not careful and if we're not paying attention, before long we find ourselves arguing for three gods. And uh, there is only one God manifest in three persons. There is only one God. And, and, and as, we, as we move along, there will be times we try to explain it. And there will be times we think we have a little bit of a grasp on it. But the truth of the matter is... God is greater than we are, and we can't understand it. We find that the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Bible teaches that the Holy Ghost is God. And so they all three are referred in Scripture to as God. But yet, they work in perfect unity. So much so that there is only one God. And so we want to look at this morning, though, what are some of the scriptural evidence of the 
Trinity. And uh, what, is, what does the Bible say? See, we can get up and we can try to explain it, but let's look at what the Bible actually says and why that we believe this doctrine. That is, that is uh, something that, that we need to be careful. I can get up, and, and I've said it several times this morning because I noticed it because I'm thinking along those lines, but I, I said it several times this morning, I believe this or we believe that. It doesn't matter what we believe. It's what the Word of God says. If the Word of God says it, it's true whether we believe it or not. If the Word of God doesn't say it, if I believe it, it doesn't, make a, it doesn't matter a hill of beans. They say that is one of the things that made Billy Graham so powerful when he preached is because he constantly said, the Word of God says, the Word of God says, the Word of God says. And it is important for us to base all of our beliefs on what the Word of God says. So what if they don't believe the Word of God? It's still true. And just because, if I'm arguing simply from, from my point of view, I can never accomplish anything. But the Scripture says that His Word will not return to Him void, but it will accomplish the thing that it was sent forth to do. And so we must use the Word of God. So what are some of the scriptural evidences of the Trinity? The Trinity finds its clearest evidence in the New Testament. And uh, suggestions of a fullness of plurality are already found in the Old Testament, though. There are times in the Old Testament we find uh, such as the plural form of the name of God, Elohim, as well as the plural pronouns point to uh, uh, this direction. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. We find in Genesis chapter 11, at the Tower of Babel, again, the Bible says uh, that in talking, says, let us go down and confound the language. So in both the Hebrew of the Old Testament and the Greek of the New Testament, the words that speak of God signify a compound unity. There is both plurality and singleness found within the words. Sometimes we don't fully understand because we strictly think of the word one as a numerical one. And uh, though it falls short, it does not explain it. it does, we, have some, we have some terms that we use in the singular that express plurality. For example, my wife and I are one family, but there are, well, there's actually five of us. Actually, there's more than that by the time you count the grandkids. Just, you know, if we could get the other two married, we could get even more. But anyway, uh, we, uh, uh, but it's one family. Multiple people in that one, but the difference is 
we're not always in complete harmony and unity. We may have a herd of deer, and it can be one herd, but there can be hundreds of deer in that herd. So there is a plurality within and a singleness at the same time. And so it's not something that is as far removed from us as sometimes we make it. And yet, because there is such perfect unity in the Godhead, we cannot grasp how intertwined they are. Because when we think of these kind of things, there is more individuality within them than there is within the Godhead. And so, uh, we fall short. But there are some things that we notice. One thing in Matthew chapter 3, we find that all of the Godhead works simultaneously. And yet, they are distinct in their existence and in their operation. Matthew chapter 3, And Jesus, when He was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is My beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then again in John chapter 14, verse 16, the Bible says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. And so we see all three members of the Godhead doing things at the same time, and yet they are uh, distinct, different uh, in in the things that they are doing. And so uh, they work together. Then we find in Psalm chapter 2 and verse 7, the Scripture tells us, I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten thee. And then in John chapter 1 verse 14, the Word was made flesh. And I'm going to look at it because I started quoting it and um, I'm afraid I'll miss something. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We find that God begot, begat a son. And so the Bible teaches that God had a son, a distinct person. And, and uh, it's not the, the purpose of our, our direction, but that does not make Him any less God. That does not mean uh, in the same way that we have a begotten son or, or that, that he was born at a certain time because as we read the scripture matter of fact if you back up in John chapter 1 to the first verse you find that, that he had an eternal existence with the father uh, and uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the same was in the beginning with God and so, so we find that and then uh, we find in, in Scripture that the, the, uh, there are distinct names even within the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 6, in Genesis chapter 22, there is a distinction between the angel of the Lord and between the Lord God. And, and, and we find a distinction of individuals within the Old Testament. And as we progress 
we are going to be seeing that there uh, that the Spirit of the Lord is, is there within the Old Testament as well. And there are names that are given to the Spirit of God. And so there are uh, uh, distinct names that are given. And then we find that the Father anoints the Son in uh, Scripture. In, in uh, Psalm 45 and verse 7, the Bible says, Thou lovest righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And sadly, we find that sometimes man rebels against God. And in their rebellion, sometimes they rebel against God the Father, sometimes against God the Son, sometimes against the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, Scripture specifically tells us to quench, not the Spirit. And so we find that sometimes uh, uh, we can show hostility to the Lord. In uh, Psalm t- chapter 2, The Bible says, The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Then when we look at the literal use of of the the words in Scripture and and, uh, some of the literal uh, wording in Scripture for God. We find that sometimes uh, there is a plural form that is used that often uh, sometimes has even been, been dropped in the translation or, or uh, lost in translation. But for example, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Remember now thy Creator... And actually, the rendering there should is remember now thy creators in the days of thy youth. In Psalm 149 and verse 2, again, rejoice in his maker should be rejoice in his makers. And we look back in, in, in Genesis 1 and we find that, that all three members of the Godhead are present at the time of creation. Then we, we briefly mentioned already, but plural pronouns are used in speaking of God. It says, let us make man in our own image. Let us go down. And different times, God is speaking to Himself, and in speaking to Himself, He uses plural pronouns indicating a... a uh, uh, more than one individual. Then we find not only are plural pronouns used in, and uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm twisting my notes all up, but uh, uh, the word Elohim, which is the Hebrew word for God, is actually a plural word. The Hebrew had a, uh, has a different um, use of plurals, you know, than we do. We have simply just singular or plural. They actually had a plural word, uh, or they actually had the singular, and then they had a plural that, that would mean two, and then they had a, a plural that could mean three or more. 
And, and the ending that is used for Elohim indicates a plurality or a, a, a multiple uh, individuals involved. And yet, uh, the Bible tells us the Lord our God is one Lord. And yet, He says there's one Lord. And in telling us that, He is using a plural form of the word to tell us there is only one God. Then, throughout Scripture, we also find that there are a number of cases that we find the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are all used in conjunction with one another. And uh, 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 we read one of those, but, but there are a number of times even, we find it in Numbers chapter 6, in Isaiah chapter 6, in Revelation chapter 4, that many times God is worshipped. Not just once, but there are three mentions. For example, when Isaiah saw the Lord, the angels cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. In Revelation chapter 4, we find that the host... Uh, before the throne was the four beasts, and, and uh, they, it says that they rest not night and day, or day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy. And I think there is significance in the fact that it is repeated three times instead of simply saying, Holy is the Lord. Then, we find that all three persons function as deity. They do things that only God can do. Each of the three do things that are only a thing to be done by God or, or, or that is a quality of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Luke chapter 24, verse 49 says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Then they all three not only function as God, but they possess uh, uh, the attributes of God. And in possessing the attributes of God, they also receive to themselves things that are only to be given to God. First of all, all three receive worship. 
John chapter 4 verse 23 says, But the hour cometh and now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. John 9, 37 and 38 says, And Jesus said unto them, Thou hast both seen Him, and it is He that talketh with thee. And He said, Lord, I believe. And He worshipped Him. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29 Oh, how much more sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy of who hath trodden under the foot Son of Man and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he is sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. They all three receive worship. That's why we can sing glory, glory to the Father. Glory, glory to the Son. Glory, glory to the Spirit. Glory to the three in one. I will praise Him. I will praise Him. Praise the Lamb for sinners slain. Not only does He receive, do they all receive worship, they all command the believer. They all direct us. They all give us uh, directions. We find this in John 14, John 15, Acts chapter 13. And then they relate personally to one another. We find Jesus talking to the Father, the Father talking to the Son, the Spirit uh, uh, communing with, with them, and, and they, they interact with one another. In Scripture, Matthew 17, verse 5, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice from the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. John chapter 3, verse 35 says, The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. John 16 says, Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you. Then, as we've already noticed, there are a number of times we find in Scripture things that relate to all three in what could almost be considered a formula or a, a, um, a way of doing things because in the text that we read, Jesus said, Go ye therefore into all the world. Teach all nations. And that's why I should read instead of quote, because I mixed Matthew and Mark. But teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Revelation chapter 1 says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, Grace be unto you and peace 
from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. Second Corinthians chapter 13 tells us the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. As a product of the revelation of God, the doctrine of the Trinity has been put forth to help us to understand the nature of God. And though it is not found, the word Trinity is not found in Scripture, it is a word that we use to help us to understand the teaching of Scripture. And yet it is in no way something for, to exhaust and help us to understand the fullness of who God is. Sometimes we, in trying to understand God, we focus either on His oneness or on His threeness. When in reality, He is both at the same time. And we don't have the ability in our minds to comprehend both at the same time because we tend to think of one or the other and so we are limited in our ability to understand who God is but if a person really believes the Bible as our ultimate source of truth they will be committed to belief in the Trinity. Today's theologian admits that he does not understand the Trinity, but he de denies that it entails contradictions. Though it may be above reason, it cannot be proven to be contrary to reason. Whatever else the doctrine of the Trinity achieves, it must always, without controversy, maintain God is one. The Father, Son, and Spirit are each God. The Father, Son, and Spirit are each persons. Lord willing, next week we're going to talk about who is the Holy Ghost. We're going to begin to delve in Scripture and see the names that are used to describe the Holy Ghost. And hopefully, it will get better instead of worse. If it gets worse, we're all in trouble. But could we end our class this morning this way? 
Glory, glory to the Father. Glory, glory to the Son. Glory, glory to the Spirit. Glory to the Three in One. And I will praise Him. I will praise Him. Praise the Lamb for sinners slain. Give Him glory, all ye people. For His blood can wash away each stain. Thank You, Lord, for Your Spirit, O God. Thank You for Your presence. Thank You for the Holy Ghost. Thank You for the Son. God, we want to worship You this morning. God, though we don't understand all there is to know about You, we want to know all that we can understand. Lord, we want to know You in a greater measure. Lord, we want to spend our lives in fellowship with You, that we might know who You are, that we might know Your desires and Your longings, and to become so close to You that our heart beats as Your heart beats for a lost and dying world to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com.